Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. We hope that you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy during these unpredictable times. I know many are struggling right now, either financially or perhaps you have concerns about a loved one who might be lonely or not well, or you yourself might be having issues or challenges. If you need help, please ask for it, whether it's from a friend or perhaps even seek counseling. There are a lot of great options out there and resources available to you. The team at Relatable is sending you lots of positive energy and hope that you enjoy this Thanksgiving week. We are grateful for the opportunity to share this podcast with you. And I'm grateful for my next guest, Heather Friedland. She is one of my dearest friends of 30 years. She has an incredible career journey. Heather shares how she made critical decisions that impacted her path toward working at organizations like MTV, Facebook, and now the head of marketing for Lyft. Regardless of your age, you will get so much out of this episode. Beyond her professional accomplishments, Heather is down to earth, genuine, and candidly shares great advice for when you're being challenged or faced with a difficult decision. For example, be your own protagonist. Enjoy this episode. with talking about your current role and what you do and talk about a day in the life. Okay, so... Because you're very big and important, have a big, fat job. (laughs) Okay, so wait, 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 sorry. Are we officially recording now? Yeah, we're recording, yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) Always be recording, ABC. (laughs) ABC. ABR. ABR. (laughs) It's a good start. Off to a good start. (laughs) ridiculous okay go ahead so a day in the life is pretty intense these days because um, I mean not just because of the current world that we're in but right now I manage a fairly large team so my day is everything from back-to-back me I mean it literally is back-to-back meetings with my team, with my leadership, with cross-functional stakeholders, because I sit in a function that supports other teams around the company. And, you know, I also have to spend a lot of time with dealing with different fires that may come up. So um, that could completely sideswipe a day, whether that's, you know, a policy issue that came up or a you know, creative issue that came up or a new campaign we're launching. I'm constantly dealing with new things um, every day. But it's one of the things I love about my job, which is the diversity of things that we're I'm tackling. So every meeting is is different. You know, I could be going from talking about analytics in one meeting to creative another, which is really fun. And you are the chief marketing officer. The like, what do what's your? I'm official... the VP of marketing uh, for Lyft. Yes. Okay. So I oversee all of our marketing functions. Okay. Yeah. One of the things I think is interesting about what you just talked about, other people that we've talked to talked to that are more senior in their positions, it's interesting that many have said their days are unpredictable and that you're depending on the need of the day from one thing to another. And I think 
it's interesting as you start out in your career, you, you may be more swim lane focused where you have a, cer a certain task and you're contributing in an individual way. And then obviously as you mature and uh, grow in your profession, then it just fans out and fans out. And then and, and similarly, I think as, as I grew in my career, like having that variety, it's like if someone were to look at your job on paper, it probably isn't what is happening on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Not at all. And it's interesting, one of the things that I have found really valuable is, so I have a, we call them executive business partners, like a, an executive assistant, but I also have a chief of staff and we have a meeting every Monday morning and we align on priorities for the week. Right. And so um, so that has been really good for me because what you, it, what gets really easy is to get completely diverted by the latest crisis or issue that comes up and you lose sight of the longer term things you need to get done or the priorities you need to move forward in the business. And so being really purposeful about that at the beginning of the week, because then not only does that help me align my thinking, but it can help um, my team you know, make sure I'm getting the right meetings on my calendar or carving out the right time to do X, Y, Z, whatever that means. That's a great skill, frankly, at any age when you're trying to organize your time. So I think that's something that really helped me is the night before. I'm a big, like, looking at your meetings the next day or kind of yes, thinking of your to-do list the next day. But also in your role, certainly when you have people dependent on you and your vision, being able to say, okay, at the start of the week, this is everything I want to accomplish and this is your part in that. Uh, makes yep. a lot of sense. Did you always want to be in marketing and were you um, always a creative person that had that interest to be, you know, in a creative space? Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting because um, I think one of the things I'm, I'm so grateful for is that pretty early on my parents, you know, recommended that I follow different passions and, um, and that I pursue different job opportunities that would help me explore that. So even in high school, my first job was working as a graphic design assistant for a family friend who had her own studio because they knew I loved art and, and, and all of that. Um, and so then when I went through college, you know, I was also interested in politics and government and things like that. So I kind of dipped my toe in different things to, to try things on for size and to see what I really liked. And so, you know, I worked first as a graphic designer, then I worked on Capitol Hill, and then and then I worked for a PR firm. And um, and then that really each of those experiences helped me kind of collect little pieces of the puzzle of what I really enjoyed doing so that by the time I got out of college, I felt pretty well positioned to to make decisions about what I um, what I wanted to do longer term. Um, so that was really helpful. But I also think that, you know, I got great advice when I was in my mid to late 20s, I think, um, which was, you know, have a long-term vision that can change but and once i kind of found my way into like marketing and and the piece of marketing that i liked once i had that long-term vision which was to become a cmo start gathering more of those experiences along your career so that you can be really purposeful about those decisions 
Um, so for example, knowing that my career, I wanted my career to, to go on as a CMO, you know, that helped me form my decision and this isn't necessary, but to, to go to business school. So I got more of a quantitative background. It also, um, I was on the agency side, the, um, the ad agency side for a while, but I also knew that getting more exposure to media and how to buy and plan media was really important. I also knew that getting more exposure to um, to a sales organization because marketing is often tied to sales. So I use that to drive decisions to go work for Viacom and to work in a sales organization in supporting them and helping things through. So I kind of gathered each of these pieces along the way because I had that long-term vision in place of what I wanted to do and all those things became building blocks. How did you know to do that? So was that the advice that you're, that someone gave you or did, were you someone that was reading a lot and gaining knowledge? Like you're obviously in this space and you're seeing the yeah. different components of, of this business. And so if you do have that CMO goal, but I, I am interested as like a 25 something or even a 30 something, it's hard to know that far ahead, like, oh, I need all these different pieces that are gonna eventually, it's so easy now sitting where you are to look back and be like, yeah. yes, it was this great path that led me. So how did you know to pick those things? You was know, one of my favorite things along my career was just hearing about other people's career journeys. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, you know, with few exceptions were any of them a straight line, right? Like, I mean, there's very few careers, maybe a doctor, maybe a lawyer, and even, than not those anymore. Right. Um, are they like straight line? Someone's in a job for forty years. So, so I found it really fascinating to talk to other people who were CMOS or who were senior in marketing and understanding what they looked at and and what experiences they had. So I could kind of figure out what ingredients I needed um, in order in order to get there. I think there's. There's two other things that I have to say were really um, informative to me as well in figuring that out because I, I, I remember at one point I interviewed for a job and it was like a, a corporate development job, which is not my jam at all. And I remember the guy, meeting the guy and he was great, we had a great conversation. He's like, listen, I know 100% you can do this job. And then he said, but I can tell you're not going to get passionate and fired up about it. And inherently, people who are passionate and fired up and want to learn more are going to do better in their jobs. Right. And I'm going to challenge you and say, you know what, I could give you this job, but do you want this job? And would it get you excited every morning? Up. And that was like a really powerful thing for me to hear because, and I think there's a ton of studies that show this, like the more interested and exciting you get about something, the more you want to learn, the more you want to grow. And, and so for me, that was a really important moment in mm -hmm. my own that helped inform a lot of my thought process of like, wow, what am I going to get energized about? Um, because that will make me better at it inherently. Right. And the other thing that was really powerful for me too was I had like at one point I went to some like networking event and there was a career counselor there and she said, all you need to answer is, is two questions. And they met in choosing your next job or choosing your next career step. And one is, you know, look back on your whole career and what are 
the three things that gave you the most joy, that brought you the most satisfaction in what you did. And that could have been in high school, packing groceries. Right, we right. loved figuring out like the spatial relations of what had to go on top and bottom and whatever in the bag. That right. could have been being, you know, the secretary of your, your, you know, National Honor Society or whatever. Or it could have been a project you worked on in a job out of college but really dissect that and go to the core of what brought you joy in that experience. Um, and then the second question that you have to answer is think of the five things that matter to you that have nothing to do with the job itself or what you're doing. Do you wanna get home at five o'clock every day? Do you wanna live close to work? Now, of course, none of that matters right now. <laughs> I am home at five o'clock every day <laughs> and I sleep five feet away from where I work. But uh, um, but you know, do you want a ton of vacation? Do you um, do you want a lot of growth in your career? And those things matter. You know, do you want a fun a bunch of colleagues that go out together, or do you just want to like heads down in in your work? And those things matter to your satisfaction as much as anything. And I heard that advice when I think I was like 28 or 29, and it stuck with me for every single job. And every time I didn't follow it, it was the wrong decision. And so I think it's it's some of the best advice yeah. I've ever gotten um, career and feeling fulfilled in it. I think that's phenomenal advice. And then I think I would add one thing to that in terms of the five things, the opposite of that, or the maybe it's like in, in connection with that is the value that you wanna bring. So we may want restrictions of, I wanna be done at five and I have these personal, goals and interests at the same time recognizing what that organization can provide and the value you're going to provide and does that match too because I think there's those three things that you mentioned are very much from you the seeker or the potential employee point of view yeah and I think that what I found that's helped me in addition those th those things are absolutely you got to start there and then it's like, okay, well, if I look at this organization, where am I adding value? What am I doing? How am I? It's not all just that one-way street of, of what totally. you're getting out of it, right? Not that you're saying yeah. that. I just think it goes yeah, into the equation of assessment. Yeah. Totally. So you've had, one of the things I, want, I thought would be really cool to talk with you about, one, you've worked at some really big named uh, organizations kind of like I would say you're in sort of a sexy career field when you think about marketing and advertising and the things that you mentioned you've been at Facebook you were at MTV right you, you like you've done a lot of really cool things you've also moved like big moves literally geographic moves <laughs> to follow yeah. opportunities I'm curious how you took those risks are I have an opinion on this because I know you so well, but I'm curious about your own opinion of were you always a risk taker? Were you someone that was very uh, much like throw caution in the wind and, and, you know, let's just go where the world takes you, right? Or, or were you someone that was more cautious? And when these things came up, how hard was it to make those decisions to move and, you know? I mean, it's a great question that I will say that I am inherently very risk averse. That has played out in lots of ways throughout my life, but interestingly, in making like moves, whether that was from Virginia to New York or New York to San Francisco, I think interestingly, neither of those decisions was hard to make. Um, I mean, like both of them 
came at interesting points in my life personally um, where the opportunities came, I mean. So when I moved to New York, I moved with a company that I was working for in DC that was opening a New York office. And I knew no one in New York and had never really even spent any meaningful time there aside from like a weekend trip when I was little. And I think I had like a week to make the decision about whether I was gonna move. And it was more the career opportunity it provided me. So that was kind of one factor in the equation of taking that risk. But it was more, I think I was anxious for a change and to push myself a little bit on the personal level um, to get out of my comfort zone. And so that's what what drove me then. And then when I moved to California, it was somewhat similar. I moved for, for a job and um, that was the job with Facebook. And I was ready for a career change. And um, Dave, my husband and I had just gotten married and we were ready for a change and a fresh start. This is coming out of the downturn in the in the economy in 2008 and, and all of that. And we were just kind of itching for a fresh start together. And so it was, it was always more about the opportunity for something new. Um, and when it felt like an opportunity for something new and exciting, it didn't feel as much like a risk, right? Like it felt like a chance to push myself out of my comfort zone. Which I think is so cool. I think too, that opportunity and and really it's how you look at it and how you're talking about it because someone could look at that same opportunity and think of all the things they're leaving. And I do remember your move to New York. I've probably personally as your friend felt more traumatic and risky than (laughs) than when you were married and then you had someone to go with you and, and I mean, Oh, definitely. Great weather in California. Facebook's pretty cool, right? Like lots of cool (laughs) things about that. But I think I remember you leaving and feeling like it was such a big move when being in the D.C. area, there's lots of opportunity, right? It's not like you couldn't. But I think that pushing the personal front, making yourself a little bit uncomfortable, and then the career opportunity and seeing it as I'm going to learn something from this. This is something different. Like, I think those are all really important considerations, and it's helpful to hear that, and that's part of the thought process. Definitely. definitely. Tell me about Facebook. And you and you joined pretty early on, right? I mean, so yep. tell me that you saw a huge evolution there. I'm just curious about your experience there. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. Yeah, so I joined in late 2011. Um, The company went public in 2012, in June of that year. And it was a wild ride. When I started, there were about 2,000 people there. When I left, there were 35,000 people there. That's crazy. Um, And, you know, I have to say, it was an incredible company to work for on many, many levels. I think the skills that I gained there as a leader, um, as a manager, um, as a marketer, were kind of second to none. And I think... You know, it's so interesting. They often say when you're choosing like a business school, choose it based on the network that you will get of of your of the alumni and your your um, fellow students. 
when you graduate, but like the network that I gained out of Facebook because of the caliber of people who worked there is like, has been really second to to none. Um, But I have to say that I learned so much there too, because it was such a fast paced culture. It was going from kind of more traditional companies to, you know, Silicon Valley, high tech, move fast. Everything is open floor plan versus, you know, big office, all that stuff. And it was a, it was definitely a culture shock, but it was such a powerful move for me in terms of both advancing my career, but also in growing as a person and broadening my worldview. It was a global role. So I was traveling around the world. I learned how to manage teams in different cultures, how to unify local teams. Um, I learned that any role requires operational skills, no matter if you're in marketing or, or operations. Um, And, you know, I think one of the biggest things I also learned was how to really think about scale, because when you're scaling, growing that quickly, you really have to think about, you know, the way you did things, you know, in 2011 is not the way you do things when you have 1 billion people on the platform, which, you know, did was not the case by joint, for example. So, um, and when you add Instagram and, and WhatsApp and, and Messenger all to the mix as well. So, so it was, it was a wild ride, but I loved every minute of it. Given that it was so successful and how long were you there? Um, I was there seven and a half years. Yeah. What drove your decision to leave? I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think there, it was really a couple things. I remember, so my boss announced she was leaving a little more than a year before I left. And I remember doing some soul searching and I, I kind of had one hard realization that I probably would not get her job if I applied for it. And two, the more introspective realization that I didn't actually want her job. And that was a real eye-opener for me because for someone who's career-oriented and aggressive about managing a career, I was like, you always think, okay, I'm going to the next level, I'm going to the next level. And I was like, wow, I don't know that I want to be at the next level. Um, and at the same time, you know, the company was so big at that point, I, I, it was harder to get things done. It, you know, took more time, more stakeholders, all of that. And it just, it... I also had kind of gotten away from some of the core role that I played when I first started. And and so what I said was, listen, I don't have to leave now, um, but what I am gonna do is go on a year journey of exploration. I actually think I may have even said two years um, because I, I wanted to really take my time to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so, I just talked to a ton of people. Um, you know, I, I got calls from headhunters and opportunities for jobs. And so I just talked to people and I used that as a way to find my way into the criteria for my next job. And that was really powerful to do that level of research because it helped me realize and kind of going back to those two questions I mentioned yeah. before about what's really important to you and what you really enjoy doing. It helped me zone in on, okay, what vertical do I want to work in? What um, stage of company do I want to work in? Do I want to work for a big one? Do I want to go back to the size of company or level of maturity that like Facebook was when I started, when I was at my happiest there? What size of team did I want to manage? What type of function within marketing? Um, what was important culturally about the company? And, and in talking to people, that really helped me better 
crystallize the criteria for the next job I wanted and the next type of company I wanted, the next role I wanted. And then that's when, you know, that's when I landed at Lyft. I feel like that, everything you just described, we should transcribe that and put like in a how-to book, right? Because there's so much in what you just talked about that is unusual and I think counter to how people feel when they're at this state that you were in and the position that you were at. And you and I personally had a lot of conversations. We were going through some similar professional type experiences where we had both been places that were phenomenal and we learned a ton and had great reputations and most people would be like you're crazy for leaving this situation and yet the inner voice of this isn't quite right I think there's something better better suited for me and and the organization and the fact what you did and I and frankly when I think back and reflect on my path I, I wished I had done because I think I would have been afforded the same opportunity which is be transparent be open with the people that you're working with if you know that you can trust them right there is that you've got to be able to trust them and you don't want it to be career limiting but this idea that like I'm going to give you 100% because that's what I do but I'm also going to be evaluating and go on this journey of trying to figure out and just saying that out loud and being honest about that and then actually doing it to where you are then much clearer and everything you described about your assessment so much of i think what we do is uh maybe as women maybe not maybe it's a personality type which is the jobs that are offered you're, you're assessing well that seems like a great job i should take that job versus like what do what do i want and and that sort of inside out point of view frankly yeah which i think is really powerful so i think i really appreciate that you shared that luxury to to say no to right and i knew something wasn't right and i think the reality though is that it wasn't like not everyone is in that position right like you're not always looking for a job job things like that you're not always comfortable where you are um but I think that also gave me some confidence too. Like, you know, when I was offered jobs or asked to go to the next round of interviews and be like, no, I don't think that's that's just right for me. That was powerful too. Yeah, for um, sure. And it, it helped me feel that much more confident in my decision when I made it and that much more excited about the opportunity ahead. So this is a great segue to my, my question that I frequently asked uh, relatable guests, uh, as I'm sure you know, because you listen to every episode. As my friend, you have to. It's like part part of the contract. Um, (laughs) But uh, in terms of your own growth, when you think about middle school, high school, even college, would you have characterized yourself as a very confident person? And that's one question. And then two, what, and again, you can kind of pick during that time, was there something that happened that really shaped how you have progressed right and and in either a positive way or maybe there was something challenging that you had to overcome yes so i would not have all categorized always categorized myself as a confident person however interestingly and i think it goes back to the story i started with and it, you know finding things that i loved to do and was good at that's what brought me confidence Mm-hmm. And so interestingly, whereas I might have not always been as confident socially, 
I always felt really confident professionally. And I think it was because I was doing things I was like fired up about and I knew I was good at and, and all of that. So there was almost this dichotomy in my life of like the social personal Heather and the professional Heather. And, um, and so I did always find confidence in, in a work zone for me. I think some pivotal moments that really helped me going back to the conversation about moving was moving to New York. That was a huge deal for me on both that personal and professional level because it pushed me so far out of my comfort zone. I didn't have my safety net of my friends anymore. I didn't have, you know, my my professional network. I literally was working by myself in an office because I was starting an office up and it really pushed me to put myself out there a lot more because if I didn't, I wasn't going to bring in new business for the agency I was working for. I wasn't going to make any friends. I would stay home all weekend if I didn't do it. And so it was really the push that I needed. And I think that move specifically was really powerful for me, both personally and professionally in terms of gaining more of that confidence and feeling more empowered to put myself out there. And I think you could not have predicted, I think this is a really important piece about these kind of moves and making these kind of decisions. You could not have predicted it would be successful or it would be unsuccessful. Like no. part of that experience is you are taking a leap. You don't, you just don't know the outcome. And I think for a lot of people, they're hamstrung by the idea that they don't know the outcome or they can't they can't see it or visualize it. And really for you, given where you were in your career, I think it was, you knew you had skills, you knew you were smart, you knew you were capable, but really what they were asking you to do was a big, was a big ask. And it's like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to roll with it and try. Right. Yes. But so my, but would be yeah. that you have to take control of it too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you are the only person who can control your own destiny. Okay. And so using that same example, when I moved to New York, so part of my job was bringing in new business for the agency. And then, like I said, I knew nobody in the city, so I had no friends, literally. <laughs> and so one of the things that I did was say, okay, if I've got to bring in new business, I've got a network. I went to like every single freaking networking session in, you know, for people in marketing and PR and the industries I was working in. But then ultimately, um, I actually, I went to like an alumni networking thing for UVA in New York and started talking to a few other women and were saying, you know, there really aren't, there were a lot of networking organizations for people in your same um, industry. But, you know, I, I was trying to network with people outside my industry so that I could bring in new business, right? Like yeah. I didn't, I would just go meet the competition if I went, if I went to these networking events. So I actually met two other women at this alumni networking um, group for UVA, and we decided to found um, a women's networking organization. We saw that you know women at our age, and at the time I was 28 or 29, you know, didn't have a ton of like in that kind of early to mid stage in their career, didn't have a lot of that support and, and infrastructure, and so. We started it with UVA alum, but we were we shared space in New York, like the um, the broader UVA alumni club shared space with Yale and Duke, and so we said, okay, let's bring their alumni clubs in, and ultimately grew it to an organization of over a thousand women in New York, and those women That's are really cool. you know became friends of mine to this day. Yeah. Um, 
you know, clients of mine um, and what have you. And so that's one example too of like, if I just moved to New York and been like, ah, you know, here I am and resigned myself to the life that I moved up in there, which was with no friends and and no clients, then that I would not have created the destiny that I did by creating that organization. And so it was a super powerful learning to me that you have to take control of it yourself too. Well, and do you, this is, you just sparked this question as you were talking, which I don't know that I've ever asked you this, but making that move and being so, I would say you were definitely, and you mentioned this earlier, very, you know, career minded, career focused, like you were leaning in hard on that back, you know, on the ranch at home, a lot of people were getting married. A lot of people were advancing their families. You were in a very different place. Tell me if that was hard, if that was even something you considered and then, you know, we talked a little bit about before we started recording, but maybe just talking about how you progressed personally and with your family, given your, you know, the, the focus of career and how that's been for you. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And, um, and you obviously know this, but I, you know, I didn't get married until I was 39. You a know, lot of I frogs. Think, <laughs> what? You had to kiss a lot of frogs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and... You know, it was super interesting because I was watching all my friends get married and and dating people seriously. And I, you know, I I was more often than not the person who was at the office till 11. Because this predated laptops. You had to be at the office at 11 (laughs) if you wanted to get work done. And um, it was a, I would say, not a conscious choice I made but it was the easy choice to make because I felt satisfied and confident at work, so I threw myself in there. Um, It was hard, personally, um, not seeing that part of my life progress, and that was challenging and, and definitely upsetting. But at the same time, I don't ever, I wouldn't change a thing about right. where I am now, right. both career-wise or personally. And I think what's also pretty amazing when you think about it is I'm such a big believer, you know, this is like everything happens for a reason and and all of that. But I think in a weird way, like back to your point about kind of career progression, because I was able to, because I wasn't married, I didn't have kids early on. I think I was able to lean in a lot harder on my career and progress more quickly, um, make bigger risks. It's a lot easier to move to another city when you don't have a family or don't have someone tethered to you. And so it, I think there was some something kind of liberating about having that freedom that I think it helped accelerate my career at the same time. And now I'm thrilled that I have both, but it's it was hard during that time. Yeah. I feel like I was kind of missing that piece. Yeah. And then once you do start having kids and you have this push-pull of, I mean, I know for me personally, very similarly, it was kind of hard driving and hard hitting. And that was where I got a lot of my confidence was in, at work. And then starting to have kids was very complicated uh, for me personally around you can't stay till 11 and there are other people that need you and and I feel like in some ways me even asking you this it's like women get this asked all the time but I still think a lot of women face this Um, and men too it's not just singular to women but how has that transition been for you in terms of figuring that out in terms of the priorities 
it's interesting. So I had um, my two kids who are now four and six when I was 43 and 44. Right. Unlikely and impossible. Um, thank you, modern medicine. Um, and I do, when I had my son, I went away on maternity leave. And when I was on maternity leave, my boss at the time left. And, you know, as is inevitable around Silicon Valley, um, where things move fast, there was, you know, big reorgs when I came back. And because I had a new boss and I came back to a totally different role than I than I started in, and it was pretty earth shattering to me. Um, and it was earth shattering to me because I was someone who had always placed so much of my identity or derived so much of my identity from being like a leader professionally, and then to all of a sudden feel like my role had been diminished or changed due to something that was completely out of my control. You know, at the same time, trying to establish who I was as a mother and as someone who was trying to literally keep a, a four-month-old alive every day <laughs> um, was yeah. really, was pretty earth-shattering. Right. And I went into like a really deep funk um, because I felt victimized by the changes. I was not happy with the outcome, you know, meanwhile, I am full of hormones and all yeah. of that. And it just was really a tough time. And it, I remember, you know, having conversations with Dave and he's like, you are not yourself. Um, you are not a happy, positive person. You are bringing this angst and anxiety with you home. And it really struck me because that's not who I wanted to be as a mother. I didn't right. want to be this right. anxious, upset, depressed person for my child. That wasn't the behavior I wanted to model. I didn't want to be a, a, a bad partner to my, to my husband and and both as a parent and as a spouse. And I it it was a really hard time for me. And I remember, you know, I have had a real shift in my thinking, which was, okay, you can do two things. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying of like being the master of your yeah. own destiny yeah. and feeling in control. Like you have two options when something bad happens to you or when you take a different turn in your career. One is you can be the victim or you can be the protagonist. If you shift your thinking from like, oh, woe is me, this happened to me, versus how do I control my destiny? How do I take ownership of the outcome? And instead saying, how do I take this challenge and learn as much as I possibly can instead of take this challenge and feel beat up was really powerful. I learned this amazing equation, which has really struck me and I use it a lot. And um, it's E plus R equals O. Everything in life kind of boils down to this. E is event. An event can happen. It can be a good event, a bad event. But there is an outcome to every event, right? What informs that outcome is your reaction to it. So event plus reaction equals outcome. And so if your reaction to a negative event is to play the victim and to feel defeated, then the outcome is going to be you're going to be miserable you'll you'll you know probably not succeed professionally right. but if your reaction is screw this 
I'm going to take control. I'm going to learn what I can. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to drive a better outcome. Then the outcome is going to be great. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at tfreemanassociates.com. Yeah. And again, it is always in your control. And that was so powerful for me to learn. And I learned it way too late in life. Well, I think it'd be fair to say that there have been periods in your life where that was not the choice you made, right? Where, and yes. I, and I, I'm not saying this to be targeted at you, both of us um, in conversation, but there are times when, th- that's the other thing I think it's important to point out in terms of your story, which is like, yes, you've had amazing opportunities and you've had great success, but it has not been without struggle, hardship, and down times. And oh. so the fact that you're so honestly and openly sharing some of these really, I would say, core, deep, you know, ideas and philosophies, but also just being really open about your own experiences, I think is so helpful to other people. And the fact that I would say it's not too late, right? Because I would say that you learn throughout each situation. And the thing that you said that I think is so important that if someone else is in this same point, and I think right now, a lot of people are experiencing job loss, that it's out of their control because of economic situations and so it's really important i think given the environment that that we sort of share this message that things can be outside of your control and you can still recover and come back bigger and stronger and better and that there are these different opportunities that show up when you least expect them and you and i as people who are both very much defined by that career success it's like you hold on too tight to anything the the universe or god or whoever you believe in shows you don't hold on so tight because it's it's this illusion and so for for me personally and i think to you it's like there's so much else out there to to build your confidence and to build you know, feelings of, of positiveness and joy. And so the way you described it, I think is great. And I think it, it's helpful for people to hear that. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like I didn't, I, that was not how I always was. And as I mentioned, you know, it was not a a happy time in my life when I, when, before I came to that realization um, at that moment. And I think it is just, and it, it's not always immediate, right? Like you can't right. decide you're gonna, I'm gonna be happy about this really bad <laughs> thing that happened to me. Right. And everything's just gonna turn out fine. And you know, it's not that easy. It's not black and white and it is a journey and it does take work, right? Like it does take, it takes emotional work to kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps on like like emotionally and have right. the energy and to, to think differently or think more positively, but then it also takes actual work. You know, if you're the protagonist, you're taking action. Right. You're not just sitting there letting things happen to you. And so yeah. that's the other piece of that too, is um, it's both emotional and actual work that needs to come with that. A couple of more questions. Let's talk about now, given everything you just said, what, if anything, do you do now that you're an experienced soul around practices, rituals, habits, what are things that you have found that position you to be successful? Anything that you do routinely that you could say, this has really helped me find that? 
You know, I try to be really, I don't always succeed, but I try to be purposeful about my time with my family in the evenings. And I'm actually grateful for this time of working at home where I, that is easier. I don't have an hour commute now each way and, and all of that and try and be focused on them when I can't be. Um, I'm not always successful and I can't beat myself up about that, but I, I, it is important to me. I think one thing that has not always been important to me, but that I have learned is a key ingredient to my mental well-being is exercise. And I have gone through, as you know, phases where I do and I don't. And I am always a happier person when I do. Um, even right now when that's hard, I mean, because of all that's happened this year in, in the world, um, I have been literally working, you know, 80 hour weeks pretty much since March and it's been really intense which means sometimes that it's harder to find time to exercise I've just found like I literally often walk eight miles a day on conference calls so that I'm getting out of the house I'm getting vitamin D from the sun yeah I'm you know I'm moving things I'm getting a different change of scenery right at this yeah. moment in time um and that gives me a fresh outlook and fresh perspective and and by the way walking there's scientific evidence that your brain processes better while you are walking and so um so that's been like super key right now to my mental health and well-being particularly at this point in time love it thank you for those secrets yes um <laughs> So you know that I am super passionate about soft skills and that yeah. I am on this crusade to help develop young talent and those people that are early in their careers. And so as someone who has led big teams and you've managed your own career quite successfully, it's a tough one, but I'm curious if you had to pick what is maybe one or two soft skills that you believe are critical to success in business. And when, when I talk about soft skills, I'm talking about communication, active listening, influence, collaboration, even presentation skills, those things that are not so much the hard, hardcore technical skills. Yep. I mean, I'd say the two things um, that come to mind most in that is, you know, I'll take your your communication point, but double click on it and shift that to storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and this is, I don't think this is unique to marketing, but I think it is particularly important in marketing is being able to tell a compelling story about the point you were trying to make to persuade someone is really, really valuable. And, and by the way, storytelling is not like I'm telling you know, yeah. once upon a time, like I do with my kids at night, right. storytelling is how do I build a case for something in a way that connects with people at a human level, that brings data into it if I need to, that builds a compelling case for what I'm trying to do that people can connect with both emotionally and rationally. And so I think that has been really powerful and whether that comes in the form of a presentation or a presentation like a deck I'm writing or a document I'm writing or literally a, a advertising campaign I'm developing storytelling is really really powerful in terms of of being effective um, in convincing people things um, and then the second thing I would say is um, is really collaboration and partnership particularly in marketing which is an incredibly cross-functional skill but mm -hmm. frankly in any job 
you can't get anything done by yourself and particularly in today's day and age. And I think what's required in collaboration is, um, I think two things have been really valuable to me in reframing my mindset around collaboration. One is having deep empathy for where the other person is coming from. Don't see another team or another individual as different or um, what have you. Everyone or or as the enemy or what have you. Everyone is going through their own stuff. And whether that's personally or professionally or what have you, and just having empathy and understanding like, as much as you're going through, they are as well. And there may be a lot of that you don't even know about that doesn't even boil to the surface and having that empathy. And that I find often it really helps build trust. And then the other thing is, particularly when you're working with people of different teams and often in business, there are contentious conversations and decisions and debates that have to come to light. But it's, I found it to be really, really powerful if you go into a meeting that you know is going to be contentious or there'll be a tough decision to come out of it, say, how would I treat this person or this situation differently if this person were on my team? Mm-hmm. And it's really powerful because it makes you their advocate and wanting to come to a better solution or compromise versus their enemy, yeah. um, which can lead to greater friction. And I think when people see you as like, hey, we all just want to succeed together. We're in this together. Let's get to the better outcome. I find that I've been able to sell in my point of view that much more strongly if someone believes that I have their best interest at heart. Love those. It's so funny. I was just on a call yesterday with the with organization I'm doing some consulting work. The marketing person was giving their presentation and started with the story, a very mm-hmm. personal story that had to do with being home in, um, in, in this situation, everyone's working from home and growing um, plants and trying to develop, like she's never really had a green thumb, but now, and then that thread was pulled through. I mean, it, it looks, I think the storytelling you talk about also, you don't even know what's happening to you. Yeah. And so by the end of it, I was like, holy bleep. This woman just, it was like almost like a almost like a symphony in a way, right? Of of just seeing how uh, purposeful and and important it is to set that stage and then to carry that thread through to get people the buy in that you're talking about, but you're on board and it's just it's a really nice way to consume information and then be able to be like, yeah, I'm totally, I'm 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 on board too. I'm going to do this. So it's yeah. fascinating. It's, it's interesting, actually, you just triggered for me another one that I think is really important, which is authenticity. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think one of the things uh, I think I have learned throughout my career is like sometimes the most effective people are the ones who are most true to themselves and and are willing to be a little vulnerable at times too, right? right? Like I think, you know, I my team has seen me cry. My team mm-hmm. has heard me talk about my own struggles with juggling childcare during this crazy time. My team has seen me struggle through things. And I think that again, helps build that trust. And I think, you know, oftentimes people have their kind of work persona and their personal persona. And it's like, it's too much a part of who I am to, to separate the two. And it's just, it's, it's humanity, right? I mean, really at the end of the day, we're all just humans. So it's like, I think, I think that's a huge, that was a huge lesson I learned too. I used to think I had to be a certain way to be a leader, 
that there was a certain, I had to be stoic and I had to seem like I had all my stuff together and I had oh, to be totally. like this pillar of strength. And then the more vulnerable I became, people were like, this, this is so refreshing. And I created so much more followership that way than if oh, I had just definitely. stayed out of it. Uh, so last question is, and maybe touched on it a little bit already, um, given some of your other comments, but when you think about young Heather uh, and you think about Heather today and, and where you are, is there any advice that you would give her that, you know, would have made maybe the journey just a tiny bit easier or a kernel of wisdom that you had now that you think you would have benefited from at the start of things? You know, it's interesting. There's one really tactical and then one kind of a little bigger. I am someone, so on the tactical one, I am someone who I get very personally connected to um, to people and, and personally invested in people and in places. And I think, you know, for most of my career, I've been at places for very long periods of time, um, which is kind of unheard of these days. But you know, when I worked in DC and New York, it was six years, seven years, seven years, you know, that's just unheard of. And I do think that sometimes I have become so personally connected to a place and to people or a mission or what have you that probably have not advanced my career as much as I could have or wanted to or advanced my skills in a way. I never left a place when I felt like, I think part of the other reason I always stayed was because I felt like I was still learning. And I always said, if I wasn't still learning, then I, that's when I would leave. But I always felt like I was still learning. So I think that the thing for me has been really knowing when to leave. Yeah. Is it's really hard. And I think that really should be more of a personal decision that is very separate from where you are at that moment. And I don't know that there's a right answer or advice, but I think there are a few cases where I would have left a little earlier if I had really zoomed out of my career and thought about that. So that's one of them. And then the other on kind of just a more personal level is probably just more like have faith in yourself, right? Yeah. It's particularly everybody has things in your career and your, your life that that will set you back, that will be really upsetting and probably even rock you to your core, whether that's the loss of a job or a reorg or, you know, even something personally. But I think we are a remarkably resilient human species and, you know, have faith that you can come out the other end if you take that control and that ownership of the outcome. And I think that's really important just to know that you can do that. Yeah. Um, and to have faith in yourself that you can. Well, I just think you're amazing. And this was, <laughs> well, you. It was so fun. The feeling to, is mutual. <laughs> it's so fun to talk to you in this way. So thank you for participating and being a guest. I, I know you've got a lot going on and these are busy times. And so the fact that you took time out of your schedule to do this with me, I really am thankful and appreciate you. Of course. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Heather, 
We are just so fortunate to hear your story. Even though we've known each other for a long time, I still learn so much from you and our conversation. From finding what you love and being passionate to working through disappointment and unhappy times to being your authentic self. Such a great combination of being thoughtful and philosophical and bringing some great tactical advice as well. As always, a big thank you to Missy, the producer on this episode. A reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe, leave comments, and rate Relatable. We can be found on most streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.